Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 79. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Steve Bisbee. He is the president and CEO at eOriginal, a company that he co-founded about 20 years ago. So eOriginal is a fascinating company. They have basically created a technology to verify original documents electronically. Um, there's a whole host of services they do around that. We actually dig into their technology in some depth in this interview. We talk about what the actual services they're providing for the marketplace lending sector and for other verticals for that matter. We talk a lot about how transparency is important, why it's important. Uh, we talk a little bit about regulation as well as you know, demands from the investor side of this business. It was a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Good afternoon, Peter. Okay, so let's get started. I want to get a bit of background about yourself. I know you've been uh, in your current role for quite some time, but can you can you give us some background about yourself you know, and your company? Certainly. So I have been the president of the original really since its founding. I was one of the co-founders. I was the also the co-inventor of the, te- the original technology some 20 years ago. And at that time, uh, I've been a small serial entrepreneur. And at that time, I had uh, was involved in real estate. I had a title insurance company. And we were struggling at that time with how to have a fully electronic mortgage transaction. There is a national association called the American Land Title Association, ALTA, that was looking for people to volunteer to see if they could come up with a solution uh, to be able to create a fully electronic mortgage transaction. I, I was asked to join that effort, which I did. And uh, we were able to see, looking forward in the future, certainly not at that time, because uh, this in some ways was pre-internet for, fi- for financial services, but that you're going to be able to, documents are going to be able to be created electronically, presented electronically, signed electronically, delivered electronically, managed electronically. So then it became involved in the process and the volumes, the challenges in that particular industry. But there was one aspect of the mortgage closing which really became a, a, a stopping point. And it was in a mortgage closing, you have, you're signing a promissory note. And that promissory note, that mortgage note, is a negotiable instrument. And by negotiable, it means that one or two parties may contract, the borrower may, and lender may contract, but that document then gets sold off into a secondary market. Mm-hmm. And in order for that document to be able to be sold off in the secondary market, there has to be only one of them. There has to be a unique document, and there's a, a, a series of laws around what constitutes a negotiable instrument and how it works. And the problem in the digital world was you were able to take a document and replicate it any number of times and have it absolutely identical to each other. So to attack that particular problem, I'm with my co-inventor, who is, was the technologist, we leveraged the technology, PKI technology, which had been created for our weapons messaging system, U.S. weapons messaging system. And to that, we added not the, not the only the ability to create a message which you know was unchanged when it was created, from the time that it was created, but also that there was to separate one message from another, meaning one information object from another. And the technology included atomic date, uh, time stamping, and some other sort of onion layers around that information object to create an electronic original. So that was the foundation of the company. We began to uh, build out the technology. We worked with Fannie and Freddie, uh, major lenders and major title companies, 
it took us a number of years and uh, substantial investment of uh, time and effort. But by the year 2000, we did the first fully electronic mortgage closing. So that was the that was the foundation of the original. It was really built around mortgage closing. But we found that that ne- that need for that information object, that unique negotiable instrument, wasn't only true in mortgage, but was also true in, in almost every financial services sector where you had collateralization or securitization. So we built a with GE Capital. We built a leasing application for uh, that was going to be taken out platform to be taken out into the market. And then with Robo Bank and a group out of Canada, we built an international trade application as well. So that's how the original got started and what uh, first products were. Okay. So I, I want to just dig in a little bit into the weeds, if I can, and just talk about your tech, your actual technology. And I, I, you know, I appreciate sort of that that summary. But can we kind of get into just an example? Like you've got, just to say, you've got an original promissory note. And how is it, can you just explain exactly how, when someone's going and, and looking, um, doing an audit, for example, how are they going to know that this electronic document is the original document that was, that was signed? What, what is the technology like? Very good question. Because the information object itself, even though you're able to pull it off and you can and it, you know, have certain verification indicia on it, you really need a record of what has occurred. So you have the information object, let's say it's the mortgage note, and along with that note, you have an audit trail, an audit log, okay? And that, that has a sort of a chain of evidence, a chain of custody, and it has the record of all the rights and privileges that, have, uh, that apply to that document at a particular state in time. In financial services, the instrument may have, well, let's take the mortgage note, in a transaction, the rights and privileges at the time of origination and who gets to play on the documents in at the origination stage or the underwriting stage or the closing stage or the post-closing where you're doing audit or you're going out into a secondary market or you're going out to a custodian, you're providing it to an auditor or a regulatory body. It's, it's a multi-party, multi-state environment you have to manage. And this document, this information object, actually travels along that chain. And so in order for you to be able to make, recognize that this is the original, you have to have a record of everything that occurred, everything that occurred about that document throughout its life cycle. So the, you have the document, but you also have the audit log. And the audit log in, includes the information about who created it, who had permissions to create it. You can take it down as granular as who has viewed it, certainly everyone that signed it and when it was signed. You have the ability, you, you must have the ability to determine its integrity, meaning that it hasn't changed since the time it was executed. And so it's the document and that audit log that enables you to determine that there's an electronic original. Okay, so we're not just talking about a PDF, right? Which is how most documents get get thrown around the internet that are easily copied. Is there? Do you have a proprietary format for these documents? No. So the uh, one of the we have what we have is a proprietary process, because okay. one of the things we discovered early on, and when you think when we started, we were using TIFF, not PDF, though we do use PDF almost universally today. Mm-hmm. It's not the format of the of the information object. It is the process around it and how it is digitally sealed and controlled throughout its life cycle. So it, it could be a PDF, but it could be a video stream. It could be, you know, we have voice signature. We're able to actually capture a voice as an information object and embed that into a document along with it with an audit log. So it's not so much the format of the document itself 
and maybe today we'll have the opportunity to talk a little bit where we see the transition from the world being document-centric in financial services to data-centric in financial services. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually we may see the uh, what we think about as documentation taking on a, a different turn in the next few years. Okay, okay. So when you've got, so you've got the original document, you said this could be an ordinary PDF that anyone can open, but you've got this like a partner file, shall we say, or a partner, so it's, it's got to be, I mean, I guess it's got to be some kind of readable document that others can say, right, okay, I see, I see this PDF has been opened, you know, 27 times in the last 12 months, and these are the people that opened them. And that's, and that's the core to your technology, it sounds like, is it? Yeah, and, and also the PKI. So everyone that is utilizing our technology is provided with a digital certificate. And so every instrument that is included in a transaction, it may be seven or eight in an auto transaction, maybe 60 in a, in a mortgage transaction, every one of those those documents is digitally sealed with a digital certificate. And there's a big date and time stamp in it and other elements that help create that being the electronic original. And so because that you can at any time, that that's sitting in the clear in the original system, Mm -hmm. And then any time that that instrument is rendered in any manner, whether it be printed or just rendered on a screen, there's a watermarking which is embedded digitally sealed into that information object as well. So you always know you're looking at a copy and not a, you're not, you do not have the original. You know, you're, the rendering is not the original. But as you mentioned PDF, so most documents they are rendered in PDF and we enable them to be executed in PDF. And even our partners like DocuSign that are, having, uh, that are executing documents in PDF, once they're executed, they then are, they, they, the digital ceiling is complete, and then it can be put into the original to be managed throughout its life cycle in a post-execution environment as well. Okay, okay, no, I, I get that, that's, that's, that's great. So let's, let's just move on to more of the, the business side. I mean, what you've got, you obviously started off in the mortgage industry, and I know now, obviously, you're, we're talking. You're in the marketplace lending industry. You guys have been around for a while. But before we get to that, so what? So as you built your company, did you you, you, you focused on the mortgage industry, and then where else did you go? So when you may remember, Peter, we had a tech bubble burst in the early 2000s. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. And um, most of the companies that were involved in digital signature or digital documentation at that time went away. The you know, capital capital dried up. Uh, any new initiatives dried up. The company that was called DocuTech went, went under. He came back out as DocuSign, um, you know, uh, under Tom Gosner, and you know, there's a, a bunch of the folk players today. But eOriginal was able to maintain itself through through that, and actually we transitioned from being a we were in an ASD hosted environment originally by EDS and then IBM, and we took that opportunity to, to create an enterprise class software, which could be the run in a hosted environment or behind the firewall. And so when we came out in 2002, 2003, we found that the mortgage industry was not going to be rapid adopters of digital technology. Mm -hmm. And we had that discussion another day, but it certainly proved to be true. And so we ended up moving into the automotive finance area. And our first major customer in automotive finance was a company called Dealertrack. And Dealertrack had created a credit application portal for financial institutions in the dealer. So the F&I uh, officer and a dealer would be able to go into this portal and, you know, sort of like a, a, a lending tree, select the different lending opportunities for a particular customer for an, a, an auto loan. And they came to us because we had been successful in the mortgage industry to enable them to have the same process or a similar process which would apply to auto loans. And so the laws around negotiable instruments for, in the mortgage industry, they're, they're, they're a little bit different than they are in the automotive in terms of where they are covered. 
so in the automotive industry, it's uh, under the UCC 9105 for chattel paper. Okay, so that really became our core business for a number of years. So we've supported not only DealerTrack but uh, Route One, which is a competitor to to DealerTrack. We then began to work with various financing sources, manufacturers, banks, where they were doing direct lending, like Bank of America, people like. Uh, uh, JD Byrider, Credit Acceptance Corporation. Uh, we provided the ability to do electronic leases for Tesla, and so vehicle finance became a large part of our business during during that time frame. Mm -hmm. And it was at, it was then that we in auto finance that we did the first securitization of fully digital loan documents, and that was done for Nissan Motor Acceptance Corporation in 2005. Okay. Uh, the rating agency, primary rating agency at that time was uh, Standard & Poor's. Interesting. That's so interesting. We, so we had vehicle finance. We had equipment lease with people like Cisco and DLL and, and, and others. We began to move into solar energy with people like Brightgrid and Sun Edison, Kilowatt Financial, security monitoring with Vivint and Protection One and, and others. And then in general banking with consumers where people were executing consumer loans as well. Vacation ownership where people uh, had partial ownerships, whether it was deeded or under trust, trust agreements being able to take them out in the market. Because what we found was that in almost every instance in financial services, there was a, a need for money, someone ahead of the money, but that money then was somehow moved from the initial participants out into a secondary market, either through collateralization or securitization. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And so then, so it sounds like you've, you've done... Um you know, quite a lot of different verticals over the years. So, so when did when did marketplace lending first get on your radar? Well, it, it's marketplace lending is you know we we attempt to follow. I can't say we're you know really wonderful at it. So we we certainly don't have the presence of like like yourself. But we tend to follow any of the developing technologies in digital delivery of financial services. And so the first article that I saw first uh, was an article in Business Week Online in 2006. <laughs> and it was about Prosper Marketplace, is the eBay of loans. Right. And at that time, at that time, we were working with eBay with the idea of being able to do online auto loans. So I was very interested in how you could have, what is Prosper, what is Marketplace, and how are they like eBay? And so the uh, the article was about Prosper and Zopra in in Britain. Mm -hmm. It was a, def, a completely new model for connecting borrowers and, and lenders, especially small uh, borrowers and small lenders outside of traditional institutions. And I truly believed it was going to be the catalyst for a fundamental change in the availability of capital for small business and startups. I thought it was a way to offer sort of regular people a higher yield in their money compared to the, what they got in deposits and, and CDs. And for small businesses, of which I've had a few, you really could get away from the torture of getting small business loans to get a business up, up and going. So I thought it was in 2006, I thought it was going to come into the U.S. like a firestorm in the next few years, and once again, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, it, it, it's uh, well. So you are you are very early on when it comes to your awareness of the sector. So then, I guess the next question that follows on from that is, when did you really get involved? Um, and obviously, it went. You know, it was it remained a retail focused sector for many years. You know, obviously yeah. not so anymore. So when did you get involved? Really, in, in 2012, so when and we were watching it, and we were seeing the growth of it, and we began to see some additional participants, but we really didn't see the volumes that would merit our, our investing the, the uh, you know, sort of the, the marketplace, a marketplace initiative for us. 
But in, in 2012, there was a, a top five investment bank that we were working with that was looking at investing in marketplace lenders. And they suggested that we explore marketplace lending, enabling their digital transactions to enable them to leverage and maintain the integrity and the auditability of digital transactions that we were enabling in the traditional uh, financial services world. So people, in order to be able to get, be able to, to not only create, but manage, pool, and securitize assets, uh, it takes a, a lot of heavy lifting in terms of ensuring the verifiability, the auditability, the integrity of these documents so that they will go out into a secondary market, that the issuer's counsel are not going to, you know, will support them in terms of the legality, but also, more importantly, the rating agencies are not going to give them a, a, a lower rating or any differentiation in the rating when they're going out in secondary market just because they're digital. So that was what we accomplished. It was not a small accomplishment. And this investor thought that they would feel a lot more comfortable moving into funding in marketplace lenders if they had that same kind of visibility and you know, be able to the integrity of the instruments that are digital. We have always believed in marketplace lending because a lot of what we've done is taking industries that are paper-based and doing that transformation to digital. That usually involves a hybrid process. It involves very difficult transformation, and oftentimes it, it costs, initially costs more money because you're running both a paper environment and a digital environment until you reach a certain percentage of, of value. Whereas in marketplace lending, it began digital, it stayed digital, and there's a real advantage for us to try to support it. So the first real player that we began to work with was in, in January of 2013 when we engaged with SoFi. Mm-hmm. And SoFi was even a leader there. They were totally focused on customer experience. They were the one, uh, just, it was so wonderful to run into somebody in financial services that still had passion. That was not common in financial services uh, here in the, here in this country. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were, and they were just really confident about what they were going to do. So that was our, they were our, our first customer really in, in marketplace lending. And by the time we got into 2014, we had, you know, our second, our third, and our, and our, and our fourth. But it really, I personally didn't really understand how the, the marketplace lending model was going to permeate financial services at that time. And until we went to the uh, ABS conference in, in Vegas in 2014 and saw that the securitization market was really looking forward to participating in marketplace lending because it was a new, new field for them. And we saw a sort of a convergence there of the desire to bring marketplace lending in the securitization market and the need for marketplace lenders to be able to, and investors to be able to get there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so you mentioned SoFi, and I, I didn't actually know they were your first client. That's that's fascinating. It makes it makes perfect sense. Uh, they really are a, a leader in many ways. So, can you share others? Uh, who else? Who else are you working with today? Is there others you can share names of? Uh, yeah, sure. Most of the, most of them we uh, you know are, are, are public. You know, uh, funding circle. I mean, I think if we went through through the sort of the chronologically, with SoFi and then funding circle and then upstart. Finance it, which is a very interesting company out of Canada. Yep. Just a, 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 you know, and uh, Payoff, uh, Ernst, Borrowers First, Apple Pie, and most recently uh, Lending Club. So these are things I know that you're that you're familiar with, and we and we've partnered with other players. Like our relationship with Funding Circle was based on our relationship with Millennium Trust as a custodian. Right. And some of them, some of the players, you know, it's our involvement with the with the origination platforms was really due to our relationship with the investors, that the investors 
felt felt more comfortable if they originators were using the original as their platform for creating these negotiable instruments in, in their in their particular space. So that we become a little bit symbiotic in terms of how we how we work with the with the platforms themselves. And then you know since that time, I mean, there's dozens of other companies, the uh, uh, Renovate America and Boat Financing, Credit Capital, Capital Dealstruck, Mosaic. Okay. Silhouette and others. So this has become a very important, not only part of our business, but part of our vision as where we see financial services is going. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I, w- I want to just t- talk a little bit about Lending Club. I don't want to pick on them. I, I mean, I just re- I recently had Scott Sandlin on the podcast, but you know, clearly they had they had an incident in May, and I'm, I'm curious about. You know, you, you've been you've obviously been in this industry now for you know almost coming up on four years, and how did the incident in May, which we know in, in some ways was a data integrity issue, uh, how has that impacted your business? Well, I think there's been two impacts. The first was when it happened, everybody sort of just like was, there's a lot of negative reaction. There was a concern about what this would do to the marketplace lending funding. And, but we did see it almost immediately. Uh, we, the, in fact, the investors that were involved in, in that turned right around and went back and, and did invest in, in lending club. But for us in particular, it had a very positive impact. And I think, it'll in, I think we're already seeing the positive impact it's having in the marketplace lending uh, world itself, where people are regarding uh, the need for transparency and for verification and knowing what you purchase is you know, so crucial. As uh, uh, someone you know pretty well, Mr. Buskin, you know, noted that uh, the you know, investor loan selection systems are only re- as reliable as the data that they receive. And mm-hmm. so, if you have inaccurate data, you know, sent representing the loans, then the systems are likely to make, you know, the investors likely to make imprudent decisions about what to buy. So I think this was always a concern. The event at Lending Club, you know, sort of brought it to the fore. The advantage is, is that marketplace lenders in a fintech, they can adjust much more quickly than traditional lenders. And so we are seeing that the marketplace lenders and in the investor side are beginning to look for the ability to have that verification and to have that transparency, which is really only available in a digital world. Right. So let's just talk about investors for a second, because obviously you've got two sides of the transaction here. If you're doing securitizations, I mean, you've got you've got the platforms that originate the loans, and then you've got the investors who you know want to purchase them either in a in a in a pooled transaction like a securitization or as you know, and, and whole loans. I mean, are you being approached by investors today to I mean, to help them out as well? I mean, what is what are the differences, I guess, between the the needs of investors and the needs of the platforms? The the needs of the investors are much simpler because they're not doing the creation. Mm-hmm. And so we, we think that, in fact, we talked about them here. They're they're the ones that sort of have the have the ball met. They're the ones that are receiving it. Okay, and so the, they're very data driven, and what the the primary goal that they want to that they want to be able to achieve is knowing that that which they purchase uh, is that which is being represented. So they're driving the originators to move to digital, and they're spurring on the acceptance in the lending place. We have about 40 investors that are, have entered into various forms of what we call cloud control agreements with us and are also in, involved in some of the investors in the in the marketplace lending world that you know, like Eaglewood. I think you know John Barlow, who's sure. one of our advisory members. Mm-hmm. And uh, But like Blue Elephant, 
Century Finance and Route 66 and, and Jeffries and Tidepool and probably three of the top five institutional investors uh, are are involved with us. And they're really they're really are beginning to drive what is going to be the I hate, you know, I'm sort of tired of the word transparency, to be honest with you, but uh, they're they're the ones that are really going to drive the accountability and the verifiability about the assets. So what they're really looking for is that when they're doing the purchase, they get their their data tape, and they want to know that that which is represented in the data that's being delivered to them by the seller, it, it comports with the assets. So one of the things that we have built, and it wasn't for this, as we had built this before the uh, the incident in May, this actually was uh, something that had been suggested to us by one of the regulators. Uh, E-Regional has the ability not only to manage the information object, which is the document, and the audit log, which I referred to, but we also have the ability to capture the data that was used to create that information object. And just like we have that audit trail and audit log attached to that document, we can, tr- we can attach the, that data. So we freeze that data in time that was used to create that document. And then at a later date, when someone receives that data that represents that information object or that document or that loan document, we're able to do that verification against that. So we know that that which you're, being rece- you're receiving is that which is being presented to you. And this is very, very important because investors in particular are, if they're driven by anything, I would say it's by that, that quality, that knowledge but it's also speed. The investors are looking to make sure that they're able to do these transactions quickly. They want to be able to, it will lower their, their arbitrage costs. Uh, it will lower their, you know, their speed for funding. And one of the things that the digital for, the format enables you to do is to create an almost programmatic process right. for getting your assets out into a secondary market. Yep. So for uh, like SoFi, who in 2014 did not did no securitizations, and in 2015 did six or seven for a little under two billion, and are actively working today. And they're just one of the probably the premier example. They are able to do this in a rapid fashion, and because they they spend such care in terms of setting up the processes to be able to be done digitally and programmatically. Right. So instead of taking two or three weeks to 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 do this manually, which is, I imagine, how and 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 then doing it manually by taking a subset of a a pool of loans, obviously you can do this in a matter of, I imagine, minutes or hours. Is that is that true? That's correct. It really decides, you know, really depends on the size of the pool. Sure. Because remember, one of the things that E Original does is that we verify the integrity of every single document in in that pool, and we verify the the integrity of every signature and every digital seal at any time that these assets are transferred. So it's not quite like sending an email, right? Uh, okay. But even even if you and even if you were sending an email, if you're sending you know half a billion dollars in assets, uh, it's going to take some time. But it certainly doesn't. It doesn't. You know, it's it's within hours. It's not within, as you said, in the the, the days. Right. But the one of the I think principal advantages, if, again, if you take the care and you have you know who your partner is going to be in this financial these financial transactions, you can obviate a lot of the different steps in a securitization by leveraging technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I want I wanted to talk about regulation for a second because you know this is obviously you know an issue that regulators you know data integrity uh, is something that they're very clued in on or they want that they want this to be this is an online process so they want to make sure that you know the data integrity which is obvious in a paper based environment is uh, is able to become just as obvious in a in a, in a in a digital environment. So I presume you're having conversations with regulators. I mean, what are, what are you hearing from them about about what you guys are doing? 
So the, the regulators, uh, they have a, 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 there's a sort of conflicting challenges. Okay. So when you have the ability to do what we just described, where you're able to monitor these transactions, and basically you could monitor these transactions in real time, you know, the documents and the data and how they're moving within a transaction. And so you could actually do the verification of, is this document, the representations in this document the same that was done in the disclosure? You know, so there's a, I, you can get alerts that if you're out of conformance. You can get alerts if you're, you're out of your guidelines or you're out of your compliance tolerances in, in either whether it's a, at the pool level or at a transaction level or even a document level. So the advantage of being able to do this all electronically in a digital format is that your risk and compliance people internally can, you know, can have a much better view into what's happening in, in the transactions. The conflicting you know, uh, utilization that benefit is that a regulator would love to have that access, and it's you know is that appropriate or not is going to be an issue. I think we're going to see you know coming forward in the next next year, a couple of years. But the from a, the regulator's perspective, it is impossible for them to get in to get the level of auditability and visibility in unless you're in a unless you're in a digital environment. Mm -hmm. So the regulators are looking for the same thing that the investors are looking for. They're looking for real-time visibility, they're looking for that verification, looking for transparency, and they're looking for the ability to have automated notices and alerts when you're out of compliance or out of tolerance. Uh, because there's no way that the man, you, they could never have the horsepower or the manpower to be able to, to monitor it in any other, uh, any other manner. And the traditional audit uh, capabilities of regulator which occur after the events Regulators understand that this is not to the advantage of the consumer. Mm -hmm. That with the consumer, to protect the consumer, you really are much, you know, it, it, the preference, the desire, and in some cases the passion among the regulators is to make sure that the consumer is protected as it go, as the consumer goes through the transaction, not just in a post-transaction environment when irregularities are, are reported. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, we're almost out of time, and there's much more to talk about. But I, I, before I let you go. I want to just get your your perspective on whether or not you think that the marketplace lending industry, I mean, obviously it's gone through a lot this year. Do you think there's truly been like a mindset shift this year? So I'd like to get that particular piece. And then if, if it's really, if we're really still not there, what, what else needs to happen, you know, in, in our industry to make sure that, you know, really this, this whole idea of transparency, we, we've said it many times, but it's obviously so critical in, in what we're doing here. So, so what are your, what are your thoughts on, on how, on how it's changed and where we have still yet to go? The, I think one of the, the essential changes is going to be the move into greater utilization of, of securitization. You, you know, when you remember when the uh, when marketplace lending was really P2P, and then they to reduce their cost of capital, they moved into funds and insurance, and mm -hmm. and then you know hedge funds, and then they had institutional lenders. But for marketplace lenders to really compete and to be able to keep their cost of capital down, to keep their interest rates up, and they, there's their yield. Every man, there's uh, such an incredible need for yield right now. We are going to see a, a greater movement into the securitization market, and we are seeing investors looking for that capability to invest in, in those types of securities. So I think the marketplace lenders are going to be looking at that, that process to get to the scalability. Marketplace lending is still a very small portion of our overall financial services revenue in the, in the United States. Mm -hmm. The idea of getting cons consensus for more transparency, that's just going to come on, on, its, on its own. The ability to produce these uh, truly authenticated documents to protect the marketplace participants, 
I think that's going to be coming. But one of the things that we're seeing, and uh, Mr. Barlow raised uh, a year ago, is that we're seeing a convergence. You know, we're seeing when you look at the regulation, you know, the regulatory environment where the different marketplace lenders were standing on their own not so long ago. But as Congress and state regulators begin to move into the market and look at look at marketplace lenders, we're seeing marketplace lenders forming associations, beginning to lobby, beginning to, beginning to look like a traditional financial institution. They're looking at the scalability that comes from the securitization markets. They're now having to deal with regulations, the issues around the banks and state rate, you know, getting state licenses and national the national licenses for banks and how they're utilized by marketplace lenders. The recent proposal that there would be a, a, a separate tool for marketplace lenders in terms of, of regulation. We're seeing marketplace lending move more into more of the, the issues and uh, approach of traditional financial institutions. And conversely, we're seeing the utilization of the tools of marketplace lending by traditional institutions. We saw with uh, Goldman Sachs and Marcus, mm -hmm. you're seeing traditional institutions purchase marketplace lending or marketplace lending tools. They're looking looking at how they can, to, for the first time in many years, they're truly, and without you know, being lip service, they're truly focusing on the customer experience in, in, the, in large banks. So I think what we're going to see much more rapidly than I had anticipated, we're going to start seeing that convergence of what was marketplace lending and uh, traditional lenders really all moving to a digital lending, different types of digital lending environments and platforms. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I completely agree, and I think we're going to have to leave it there, but that's uh Really, I really appreciate you coming on, Steve. It was fascinating to hear hear your story. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Okay, see ya. Bye. I just want to pick up on that last point that Steve made because it's something that I've been thinking about for quite some time, and that really is the sort of the convergence of the, the online lending, marketplace lending platforms with traditional lending, which is still very much a, an offline process. I'm very much um, convinced that you know, all lending is moving online that I think you're going to find within five or 10 years, it will be impossible to take out a loan in a sort of a offline manner. Everything is going to be going through online simply because it's a more efficient process and many other things that, uh, that Steve mentioned. And, you know, for a company like his, when all lending is online and, you know, it's said it's taken mortgages a long time to, to get there and, you know, it, they may be the last holdouts, but you know, with I think consumer lending and all kinds of different uh, verticals of lending, it's moving online. It's a it's an unstoppable trend, and you know, companies like E Original are really going to be one of the major beneficiaries of of that change. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.